Well, good morning, everybody. Man, is it good to be with you. Uh, I'm excited not only to kick off a series here that we got going, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know about you. I needed the lyrics to that last song. Like uh, this last week, <clears throat> man, I'm already uh, got a frog in my throat, but uh, this last week has just been uh, a weird one in the sense that I felt like I was in multiple conversations where like my heart, my desire, my attempt was to like clarify, bring clarity, like be helpful. And I felt like over and over and over again, at the end of those conversations, I felt like I had messed up <laughs> whatever clarity might have been there more than when we started. And so like, you know, you just have those emotions sometimes like, man, am I even like doing this the right way? Am I doing the right thing? Am I engaging the right stuff? And like, I don't know, it just messed with me. So to like sit here and like kick off the morning just remembering that like doesn't I'm not trying to perform for God in the sense that that's what earns me favor I, I he just loves me I'm his son you know and and so I hope that that resonates with you this morning um, I and matter of fact as we open up this series we're gonna have a little bit of fun today uh, but we're also gonna dive into a little bit of an intense conversation as well kind of a little hybrid and uh, I, what I want you to know probably more than anything is when Jesus makes clear distinctions, uh, it's for the reason of showing you the point of invitation. Uh, he's not trying to stick his arm out and stiff arm and saying, I told you there's a line there and oh, gosh, you're just over there. He's trying to say like, no, there's a distinction here and I'm trying to make that clear so that I can invite you in to be with me, so that I can invite you in to, to share this life with me. Now, uh, if you don't know me much, uh, one thing that you'd find out about me pretty quickly is I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, like, I, I love um, all, the, all the shows and all the things and all the movies and all that kind of stuff. And, um, like, it's a little extreme. Like, I probably, <laughs> like, my wife and I couldn't be more opposite. My wife probably sees a movie in the theater about once every three or four years. Uh, I've seen, like, 20 this year, like, in the theater. Like, I, I love going to the movies. I love watching movies. Uh, I'm watching all of the shows that are out right now. Like, man, they're just so fun. But like, I got to thinking about these storylines and I got to thinking about how all of these things that we like to watch and consume, like there's often at least one character that wants to do a thing that you're like, I get it. I have the same emotion as you do, but don't do the thing, right? And so if you're like familiar with the Marvel universe at all, you're like looking at Star-Lord who's about to, yep, punch Thanos and you're like, no, 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 like, don't, don't do it. Like, don't punch him. Like, I know he hurt the love of your life. I know that he did that. Like, don't punch him. Don't do it. And you're like, you're, you resonate with it, but you're like, don't do it. And then like later in the movie, you watch someone like Tony Stark. Is it still a spoiler alert? I don't know how that works multiple years later. But like, then like Tony Stark like does a thing, right? When you're like, man, way to sacrifice yourself. I can't believe he did that. And the reason that we hold such a high regard for a character like that is because he went against the grain. He did the hero thing and we're like wow that's amazing or like there's other movies too like on Aladdin when like Abu is like going through the cave of wonders it's like don't touch any of the jewels like I don't know if you've ever thought about that like it's easy to watch the movie and you're like yeah man don't touch the jewels something bad's gonna happen but like if you walk through a room like the cave of wonders like don't touch anything like could you not do it I mean like don't push the red button I mean some of you can't do that in a conversation with a loved one like don't bring up that topic you're like you know like I just can't not do it right and like that's that's a boo like we get it even though we're like, don't do it. 
And then like Aladdin, at the end, he has that choice, right? He's like, you can, you can finally wish your life back to where you want it to be, or you can actually free the genie, and he frees. He's like, wow, how honorable, how wonderful. Like, that's apparently one of the reasons why you're the main person in this story, right? Or I've been super nerding out on Rings of Power. Um, man, it's such a good show. Okay, so, um, but like, you know, this is from the movie, so if you haven't watched the show yet, this is not a spoiler, an actual spoiler. But like, you know, this king, like, he gets a hold of the main ring and he's got all the power. What are you going to do with it? You need to destroy it, defeat evil once and for all. And he's like, I can't. I'm going to put the ring on. I'm going to have the power. I'll control it. And then we see Frodo like, man, like here's this literally, you know, small individual. He's just carrying it all the way to Mordor and he's going to drop it in there and handle it, right? Like he's doing the thing. And you're like, man, that's incredible. And that it's, it's that person that's willing to step out against the grain of what we're naturally inclined to do that usually makes a good story. We're like, this person isn't going to do the normal thing. That's why I'm curious to do, know what it is that they're going to do. And to a little bit of a playful degree, Jesus calls us to live a life that's not normal, right? That, li- that live a life that even though these emotions or even though these scenarios seem normal, even though most people would want to do these things, even though most people would be inclined to, to, to punch him or grab that or do that, like instead, like Jesus says, no, 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 I'm actually calling you to something different, something different. And to a relative degree, that's the nature of the series that we're getting started here is this idea of why can't we all be right? Why can't all these things that we're all naturally inclined to do, why can't they be a part of the process? Why can't they all be a part of what it means to actually have a connection with God? Why can't all of the religions point us in the same direction? Isn't it? I mean, aren't we all just trying to be better people at the end of the day? Aren't we all just trying to be altruistic and, and, and love our neighbor? And aren't we all just trying to you know, coexist together, and aren't, isn't that really what we're just trying to do? Why can't we all be right? And Jesus would say, actually, I am inviting you to something totally different. I'm inviting you to something that's not just a, an attempt, it's not just a try, it's a connection with the God of the universe. And yes, there are these questions, and yes, there are these things that maybe we have in common, but Jesus says, I want to bring clarity to that. I want to actually show you what it means to be connected with God and not just hope that you are, but be connected with him. I want to show you the pathway, not the supposed pathway or the guest pathway. I want to show you the way to be connected with me, to be connected with God. And I'll be honest, this is one of my biggest fears as a pastor, as a person, is that there are those of us that would be like, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in on this Christian thing. I'm pretty sure I'm in on this God thing. But as we'll find out later in this series, there, there is a set of circumstances. There is a scenario where we could stand before Jesus at the end of our life and his response to us could be, I never knew you. I never knew you. And so Jesus here is trying to extend his hand and says, I don't, the reason he even brings that up, I I don't want that to be our scenario. I want to show you what it means to embrace me, what it means to embrace God. I want to make sure that you are connected to who I am. And, and, And that would be one of my greatest passions is to help make Jesus make sense so that you know the way 
that you know the way to be connected with God. Now, this passage that we're going to get into, as I mentioned, there's, a, there's an intense portion of it. Um, we're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 7, uh, where we're going to be wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've been tracking with grace at all over the last, I don't know, X amount of months, like we've been kind of slowly walking through this central teaching of Jesus's. Like we've been walking through all of these ways in which he's been pointing out, this is what it means to be one of my followers. This is what it means to be connected with God. This is what it means to have your life upended and changed by him. This is what it means to have our defaults disrupted, to avoid the bland, dim, and boring life, to understand what God actually wants, and to even figure out how do we actually relate to God, right? And we talked a lot about in the last few months, just like it's not about this transactional thing where you better get things right, but instead it's how do we relate to God instead. And it's in that context where Jesus is trying to open up God's heart and say, this is what he's inviting you to be a part of, that we're going to dive then into the end of chapter 7 and see how he makes some of these distinctions that are going to be so helpful for all of us. So in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, we'll just look at a few, the few first words here. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom kingdom. This is really helpful. This should be really positive. This is something where he's looking at you and saying, you, like you can enter God's kingdom. This is an invitation. This is an obvious step forward. This is, I want to help you. Now, I remember um, when I was in in high school, uh, a buddy of mine came up to me and he was trying to help me with something. I don't know about most of you. My guess is you learned how to tie your shoes around five, six, seven years old. Like that's pretty typical. That's when we learn how to tie your shoes. You do the crossover thing, you loop around or you do the bunny ears and then boop, you got a tied shoe. We all learn that. It's easy. And then you tie your shoes like that for the rest of your life and you don't really think much of it. My buddy, who was a giant man, by the way, and yes, that's like me, he was huge, but he like walks up to me and he says, hey, can I show you something? I'm like, sure. He's like, I want to show you a trick with tying your shoes. I'm like, what trick? Like tying your shoes? Because my cleats came untied all the time. Like it was not abnormal for me to have to like in between plays, like kneel down and tie my cleats up again. Like it just happened all the time. He's like, can I show you something? And I'm like, sure. And he says, actually, if you, if you loop like this instead of loop like this, they won't come untied nearly as much anymore. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I tie my shoes that way, just one little subtle thing. And all of a sudden, they don't come untied as much anymore. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And at first blush, it looked exactly the same. It was the difference between these two knots. Now, at first glance, you're like, they're the same knot, right? Like, but here's the trick. If you're tying the granny knot, your strings, when you're done, they lay like vertical up and down your shoe. But if you tie the reef knot, they lay horizontal like across your shoe. And if you, lay, if you tie them like this, they like won't come untied. And especially those of you that like wear dress shoes and they have like those uh, circular laces, you know what I mean? They come untied all the time. But that probably means you tie them like this and you didn't even realize it. Your mother betrayed you. Like it's just crazy. Like that's, that's how this works. But if you tie them like this, they won't come untied. It's the craziest thing. And here's the funny part. My buddy, <clears throat> he was just trying to be helpful. He wasn't coming up to me and says, hey, moron, like you're, you're tying your shoes the wrong way. Hey, like, let's get it together. Who taught you how to do this? A horse? Like, you know, it's just like how he was just being helpful. Hey, can I, can I show you something? Can I show you something that's going to be very helpful for you? If you want to be a person that has well-tied shoes, let me show you the proper way to lace them. Like, let me show you what's going on. Like, he was just being helpful. And the reason I bring this thing up is not only for the side benefit, if nothing else, at least you know how to tie your shoes now. Uh, but it, it, it's also, I, I think this is a little bit of Jesus' heart here. 
He's not trying to say like, hey, moron, you're missing it. I think what he's trying to say is, hey, can I be helpful here? Because I want to make sure you don't miss it. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about. I want to make sure that you can step into the life that I'm inviting you to be a part of. And so if, if we're able to enter into God's kingdom, maybe we should quickly even answer the question, well, what is God's kingdom? And we do this a lot around here because it's important. Jesus talks about this a lot. This is the invitation that he's bringing us into. And so let's just quickly break this down. It's pretty simple, but I want to make sure we're locked in on it. Like it's God's. If it's God's kingdom, that means it's personal. That means it belongs to him. It's not something generic right? Like some of us, when we think about God's kingdom or we think about heaven or we think about all these things, we think about like generically, like one day when I die, I get to go to like eternal Wyoming, right? Like I get to be in like these wide open creative spaces forever and I get to enjoy all of this wonderful, some of you just want to sit by a creek for the rest of your eternal life. Some of you want to go fishing. Some of you are like, I hope heaven is like Pebble Beach on steroids. Like I just want to golf, you know, 72 holes a day and that's all I want to do. Like that's going to be heaven. Like, and you, we dream of these things and I'm not saying that creeks and Wyoming and, and golf won't be a part of heaven. I don't know for sure. I'm just assuming some of that at least will be. However, it's God's kingdom. It's his. And so, for instance, if we wouldn't be excited to spend an awful lot of time with God, then we might have a misunderstanding of what the kingdom is. It would be like having a family member inviting us over to their house. It's like, well, as long as you aren't there, I would love to come to your house. Now, we might have a family member where we have that emotion, but like that would be right? The equivalent, God is saying, I want you to enter into my kingdom. By the way, I'm going to be there. And many of us are like, right, that sounds amazing because it's his kingdom. But we have to understand that what he's drawing up, he's a part of it. He's there. And then of course, he's the king. He's a kingdom. It's his rule. It's his authority. It's his ideals. In his kingdom, things play out, work out, shake out the way that he wants them to. It's finally his goodness, his kindness, right? It's his light. It's all of those things. It is his way that completely permeates and dominates the entire culture of his kingdom, and then it's a dominion, it's a kingdom, it's a place. God is inviting you into a scenario, a a place, a situation where all of this is taking place. And Jesus is saying, you can enter it. You can be at the place where God is in control and he is there with you forever. You can enter God's kingdom. Now, the reason that this is so important to break down is I feel like sometimes we have this temptation to try to figure things out and then piece it all together and then hope we're correct as opposed to going to the source. So for instance, I mentioned I'm a little bit of a nerd, right? And watching the shows, watching the movies, to be honest, even watching the Browns game in and of itself is not enough for me. Like I have to go onto YouTube and I have to go to the nerdy YouTube channels and I wanna see how all the shows and the movies break down. I wanna see all the Easter eggs. I go to Dogs by Nature and I'm like, what can you please show me why the defense? (laughs) 
Can you show me why this isn't working right? And, and they'll break it down play by play, moment by moment, scene by scene. You're like, did you see how this thing was actually a callback to that movie? And did you know that this thing was there? And I love that stuff. But at the end of the day, all of those uh, radio stations, all of those blogs, all of those YouTube videos are a bunch of fans guessing and discovering how all of that's connected. You know who doesn't watch those videos? You know who doesn't watch and listen to the podcasts? The coaches. I mean, I kind of wish maybe sometimes this stuff. Uh, but you know who doesn't watch the breakdown of how Rings of Power is connected to all the Lord of the Rings movies? The directors, the creators, the producers. You know why they don't watch them? Because they know. They did all the research. They're like, yeah, duh, I put that Easter egg there so that you would love that. Like, I put all those connections there. I did all the research. I made sure all of that was interconnected. That's why you like it so much. Like, I did all of the things. The creators of those shows, the, the, the initiators of those games don't need to discover what they put together. They know what they put together. And what Jesus is drawing out here is that when we're invited to be a part of God's kingdom, he's not saying, would you like to join me as we kind of try to figure out what might be connected and interconnected? Would you like to join me as we try to discover the Easter eggs of life and try to see how it's all placed together? What Jesus is saying is, how about I invite you behind the scenes to the creator of this show called Life? I don't, I'm not trying to guess at how this is connected. I know how it's connected. I am the coach. I am the director. I am the producer. I am the creator. Come talk to me. I got the answers. I know how it all fits together. Come be with me in my kingdom. Jesus is not guessing. Jesus is not hoping he's right. Jesus set it all in motion. He knows exactly what he's inviting us to. But this passage continues, and Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom, but only through a narrow gate. Only through a narrow gate. Now, this is where like, I just pray that the heart of God does more work in your heart and mind than my words can do. Jesus is not saying you better get your act together or you'll miss it. Amen. That is not what the narrow gate is. Matter of fact, he just spent the last two and a half chapters breaking down how if you want to be with God, if you want to be where he is, you have to be with me. That when you follow me, you become a peacemaker. When you follow me, you become someone that's willing to show up and love other people. When you follow me, you're actually go your identity is going to change. You're going to be a part of salt and light of the earth. When you follow me, you're not only going to be able to love your neighbor, you're going to be able to love your enemy. When you're connected with me, not only are you going to be able to keep your commitment with those you love, you're going to be able to keep your commitment no matter what, like your yes, BS and your no, BO. When, not only when you're connected to me, he just shows all of this stuff. He's like, when you're invited into this relationship, when you're doing stuff with me, when you're living life with me, when this is all happening, that is the narrow path. The narrow path is you being with me. 
It's not you trying to figure it all out. It's not you trying to get all your ducks in the row. It's not you trying to prove yourself. It's not moralism. It's not being better than other people. It's you being connected to Jesus. Jesus is saying the the broad path is trying to figure it out on your own. The narrow path is come be with me. It's come be with me. I put this in my notes that the narrow path isn't about doing life better. The narrow path is about doing life with Jesus. The narrow path is about doing life with Jesus. Now some of you are uncomfortable because you're like, but won't, won't my behaviors change if I'm with Jesus? Absolutely, but it's a product of being with Jesus, not the attempt to get to Jesus. There was so much, even whether it's my marriage or even being a father or being a good friend, that anything good I've done in any of those close relationships has nothing to do with me trying to prove myself to them and everything to do with once I've been with them and I love them and I engage them, I understand what makes the most sense to continue to make that relationship work because I want to be close to them. I want to be connected with them. Jesus transforms us from the inside. And when we're actually on the narrow path, doing life with Jesus, this is where he brings the rest. This is where he brings the assurance of your salvation, of your soul. This is where he brings that inexplicable peace. This is where he brings that insurmountable joy. This is where he builds your character and grows you and brings you salvation and gives you life. It's with him. And if we're spending our time over and over trying to just get it right, to hope that we're on the narrow path, ironically, that pursuit of trying to do it on our own, we're missing the narrow path. Jesus continues this passage, and this is where the language starts to sound a little bit intense. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few will find it. It is very natural for us as a human race to want to try to achieve, to try to be good, to try to be better. And when we look around, then we start to compare and contrast. And we start to look at, well, that person, this family member, that coworker, my boss, that whole group of people, these idealists, I'm obviously better than them, so I'm fine. And we start to put our, our, our security, we start to put our confidence in the fact that I'm better than other people and therefore I must be fine. Therefore, I must be in God's good graces. I'm the kind of person that's gonna be in God's kingdom. That's the kind of person that won't be. That is not what we'll find in the words of Jesus. That is not what we'll find in the scriptures. Jesus is calling us to say that we need him. See, one of the things I'm afraid of is that many of us think that we're standing here looking at a fork in the road, and then at some point in time, we're gonna have to make a decision. Do I take the broad path, or do I take the narrow path? You're like, yeah, Joe, that's what Jesus just said. Like, there's a broad path, a broad gate, and a narrow gate. Like, I need to take one of those. What Jesus is saying is, is that we're all already on the highway, We're all already on the four-lane interstate 
that just goes and goes at a fast clip. When you are born, you are on the highway. You are on the broad path. You are taking the broad gate. We are separated from God. Our natural default is to try to fix that and prove that and earn that and engage that. And all we want to do is fix it. And what's crazy is when we think about certain life philosophies, you're like, that makes sense, Joe. Like, if you're just trying to run after the almighty dollar, like, that makes sense. Like, that makes sense that Jesus said you're on the broad path. And if you're just trying to run down a different religious path, you know, like, man, if they're running down the Hindu path, I guess that makes sense. That's a broad path. If they're trying to run down the Buddhist path, yeah, that's the broad path. But then some of us, we get confused. You're like, well, wait a minute. But what about if they're running down, like, a Mormon path? Isn't that really close? What if they're running down a Jehovah's Witness path? Isn't that really close? And then some of us, we want to like start wrestling with that. We're like, well, I mean, did Jesus really mean that like some of these other ways? And then that's where we start swirling. We're like, I mean, aren't we all trying to do the same thing? Aren't all paths going to Jesus? And Jesus is saying, no. Many of us are on we're, we're all born on the broad path. Some of us might still be on the broad path and Jesus is trying to say, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to call you off of the highway, off of the rushing river and out to a different pathway. You see, because the broad path, the highway is the default. We are already on it. That's the way that we go. But this narrow path is easy to miss. It's difficult. Very few find it. And Jesus says, no, come over here. And we have this invitation. You don't have to be on the broad path anymore. I don't want you to be on the broad path anymore. I want to invite you to this off-ramp, to this exit, to life. Most of us, we're trying to figure this out ourselves, but the, the reality of the matter is, is that we've all made a faith decision. Jeff brought up this quote. He was reading a book not too long ago, and he said, everyone has made a faith decision. We've already made it. If you trust in Jesus, you've trusted in Jesus. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, then one of the things that your faith is in is that you have time to make the right decision at some point in time ahead of you. If you're an earshot of me, you're at least exploring Jesus and you're like, I'm pretty sure that there's at least something interesting here, but if you haven't decided to put your life and put your trust in him and take the narrow path with him to accept the invitation to life as the creator, the director, the coach of all of life. If we haven't put our faith in him, then your faith is in the fact that you either have time or there's something else out there. That's a faith decision. That we believe that this is still possible for us. And of course, if we believe in a different religion, if we believe in a thing, if we don't believe in any religion, that's a faith decision. I believe I'm putting my trust in the fact that the way I'm thinking about things is gonna play out for me. There are very few human beings that are like, I just wanna sprint my way into the worst depiction of hell. Most of us think that whether it's I'm a good enough person or because of this philosophy that I believe or because this is, that's what I'm putting my trust in, we've all made a faith decision. 
And this is a battle because Satan has paved the highway to hell with fleshly temptations, worldly attractions, and moral compromises. Most people allow their passions and desires to dictate the course of their lives. They choose the temporary, the earthly pleasures over the self-sacrifice required in following Jesus. There's things like this that happen all the time. I felt like this, as I was reading this this week, I'm like, this sounds like something out of a journal entry for me. I'm like, there are so many times where I'm like, I just want what I want. I just want the comfortable setting. I just want, I just want the ease. I just, I just want the pleasure. I just want the thing. And so I'm going to run after the fleshly temptation. It looks good. It tastes good. It's, that's what I want to run after. And even if there is a nudge or a stirring in my heart, I'm like, well, no, 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 no. It's okay because this is my life and I can do that. And it's, it's fine if I run after that. Or these worldly attractions. It's amazing how many things are constantly flashing in front of us. Like, just yesterday I was scrolling through uh, Instagram, and uh, I don't know if this is how your algorithm works, but um, like, I get a bunch of like furniture ads from like Amazon. I'm like, oh, that chair would look good in my living room. Like, you know, and then like, and they're like, no, but I don't need to spend money right now. And then you like scroll like two more posts later, another ad pops up and you're like, I mean, that chair looks really good. That one would look really good in my living room. And so I click on the little shop now button, you know, and it clicks me over to the Amazon app because of course I have the Amazon app. And so I'm looking through that and I'm like, wow, that chair looks great. $900. Okay, back to Instagram. What am I friends up to. Uh, you know, like it's just, but we, I just read this research because I was curious. We are exposed to four to 10,000 ads a day, a day. Everything you see driving down the road, online, listening to the thing, watching TV, watching the streaming service, all the different available things that are available to you when you click on the stuff. Thousands of ads a day. The worldly attractions, or maybe we should even say the worldly distractions. The things that want to eat up our time, eat up our energy, eat up our passion, eat up all of our bandwidth. And then there's the moral compromises, right? Because what's funny is most of us would probably say, I'm a pretty good person. And then we can think about all the people in our mind that we're better than. And you might not admit that out loud. But I know I'm better than that person. I know I'm better than. But then at the same time, we would pretty much willingly admit that we know we're not perfect. And as a matter of fact, we will justify all of the different things that we want to do. It's amazing how... We want to often vilify someone else's mistakes, but we want to justify our own. And so I can't believe that you would make that decision. I can't believe that you were tempted to think that way. I can't believe that you would consider altering your life that way. I can't believe that you would consider lining up with those ideals. I can't believe that you would do that. Well, didn't you just mess up at work? Well, yeah, but there was a reason for it. Well, didn't you just blow up at that family member? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it was a heated argument, and they just kind of pushed the right buttons, and I mean, that's just how it works sometimes. It's amazing how fast we are at saying, like, man, I can't believe they can get their act together, but I mean, I, of course, I mean, nobody's perfect. 
We, we bring these moral compromises in all the time. It's not that big, big a deal that I'm watching that. It's not that big a deal that I'm, that I'm doing those things, talking that way, talk, treating my coworker that way, treating my family that way, ignoring these people. It, it's not a big deal. The reason maybe we don't think about it that often is because that's how natural it is for us to think that way. I mean, most of us, if, if, if there's a tension at home and we're blowing up with each other, one of the reasons that we continue to blow up with each other is because we're that used to blowing up with each other. It's not just simply that one or the other person or people deserve it, it's that we're that comfortable with, we're that much in a habit of blowing up with each other that we're not even willing to try to figure out how to not blow up with each other because that's normal. That's the moral compromise. It's okay that I lose myself in front of you. And this is the, the spiritual war that we're in. This is the invitation that Jesus is making is I wanna help snap you out of the broad path, the default path, and I wanna invite you to life. So this is messing with me. And so I was trying to think through what are some of the ways that I can make sure that I'm on the narrow path and, and maybe what are some of the ways that you can be on the narrow path as way. And so I was praying through and thinking through some scriptures and I came up with a few things, wrote them down in the notes. The first thing is, instead of trusting myself, I need to deny myself. Just this last week, I was probably given, um, I don't know, three, four, five opportunities to be generous with a cause, with a person or a family that I actually fully believe in. And in most of those scenarios, I did give a little bit because out of like a conviction, but I also felt this like nudge, like, you know, maybe this is something you should get behind regularly. Maybe this is something you should even make a little sacrifice for because you don't need to stop and get the diet Dr. Pepper as often as you do. You don't need to stop. You don't need that new T-shirt. Maybe you can look at making some adjustments. And, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, but I want the new T-shirt. And I like myself some diet Dr. Pepper. Like, I want... And, and, and so there's this opportunity to do something life-giving, to do something helpful, to do something generous, to do something good. And like, but I want what I want. Some of us, we have opportunities before us. Maybe it's to give some of our time. Maybe it's to help a person. Maybe it's to engage someone in their life and meet them where they're at and try to be one of those Jesus influences in their life. But we're too busy building our, our, our mini empire. We're too busy building our business. We're too busy trying to climb the ladder. We're too busy trying to make sure that our house looks just like those ads on Instagram. We're too busy trying to make sure that the next car payment actually fits into our budget. We're too busy trying to make sure that all of these things are all in a row. And then we feel these little God nudges and you're like, well, I, I don't have time for that. I can't do that right now. I can't, I can't, I can't. If we're gonna be on the narrow pathway, it's gonna look like denying ourselves more often. 
Some of us, it's relational. I really, really want to date this person. They make me feel good and wanted and worth it. And, but I feel like God might be nudging me away from them. And I feel like maybe this isn't the smartest move, but gosh, I don't want to start all over and I'm not really sure. And We're not willing to deny our, we don't trust God that he could bring someone into our life. We don't trust God that maybe we don't need someone in our life at all. We don't trust him with that. We, we pursue our passions and we pursue, the second thing I wrote down that's messing with me is instead of being like the world, I need to lean into Jesus. In this passage, Jesus is praying that my disciples, my people are going to be in the world, but God, will you keep them connected, unified with me? Will you keep them unified together? Will you help them to be a part of our kingdom even while they're in the world? And instead of allowing some random person on Instagram begin to influence and change everything that we think, Instead of watching someone that's super successful online, we're like, you know what, I could do that. I could start investing all of my time. Instead of, instead of always chasing after the thing that the world consistently presents and says, this is what you need. This is how you need to think. This is how you need to be. This is how you, what if we chased instead the giver and creator of life? What if, what if I trusted that Jesus knew, that Jesus knows exactly how my life, my mind, my soul are knit together and what I need as opposed to guessing with all these random sources from the world trying to say, this is what you need. What if I leaned into Jesus? The third thing I wrote down was instead of proving myself, I need to live in the confidence of the cross and the resurrection. As I mentioned earlier, multiple times this week, I've been in a conversation where I feel like I'm trying to bring clarity. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm trying to wade through a tense moment between a group of people or a, a couple of individuals. And it, it, multiple times it just didn't work this week. <laughs> and uh, there were a couple of those scenarios where for real, I'm not sure it was better after the fact. I, I, I might've messed it up. And um, my initial emotion is like, man, God, I'm sorry. I think I biffed this. And I wasn't necessarily in a great place with it all week until this weekend. And at, I'm, this is why I brought up that song earlier. And I'm just like reminded even this morning God's like, I didn't ask you to fix it. I asked you to be there. I felt like he was reminding me this morning, I'm the one that transforms people's minds and hearts, not you. Stop trying to prove yourself to me and just hold my hand and let's be together where I ask you to be. I'll do the hard work. I'll do the heart work. <laughs> I, I, I can put myself in these swirls 
of I'm not good enough, I'm not disciplined enough, I don't, I don't, I don't do enough of the right things, I don't, and I, I get in these little downward spiral situations in my mind and then my gut reaction is to just try harder. Give it more of the college try, give it more oomph, be more disciplined, be more, be more, be more. But I need to put my confidence in the cross, in the resurrection. Because ironically, whenever we're trying to prove ourselves, first of all, we're on the broad path. Secondly, that's the whole point of why Jesus came and did what he did. If we could figure it out, Jesus did not have to sacrifice himself on the cross. And just like Pastor Ezra said this morning, some of us need to hear maybe more clearly than ever that God loves you. That God looks at you and all of your flaws and says you are worth me showing up and being tortured on your behalf and dying in your place. It is worth it for me to do that because of how much I care for you. How much I love you. How much I'm serious about this invitation to come down the narrow path and be with me in my kingdom, in life, forever. I love you that much. And then on the third day, he, he was alive again. And he spoke with and ate with and engaged with and fished with and hung out on the beach with and walked with and talked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I don't know about you, but I've been to funerals. If that person woke back up days later, I'd be like, what do you got to say? And the way that he taught and the way that he loved and the way that he engaged and the way that what he did when he resurrected was prove I'm the creator, I'm the producer, I'm the director, I'm the coach, follow me. I need to stop trying to prove myself and lean into the fact that I can have confidence in Jesus. Many of you, I'm sure, have navigated an escalator. That's those stairs that move. If you want to go up, you stand at the bottom and you step onto the first thing and you go up. And if you want to go down, you stand. Okay, those things. What I feel like Jesus is asking us to do is to go up the downward facing crowded escalator. It is the narrow path. It is the difficult path at times. And very few, very few people would do that. <laughs> but here's the twist. 
Because many of us are like, but I don't know that I can. I don't know that I have the strength. I don't know that I can muscle the ridicule. That's going to be all the people looking at me, saying things to me. What are you doing? Turn around, this, that, and the other. I don't know that I can handle that. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to grab my hand and follow me. I'm going to take you up the downward facing crowded escalator and I will start to clear the path. When they bump you, don't worry about it. You're with me. When they give you the look of ridicule, don't worry about it. You're with me. I'm leading you to life. When it feels like it's difficult because it seems like you're taking more steps than you thought it would take, don't worry about it. You know that you have my hand and you're with me. It is much better to take the long, the narrow, the difficult path with Jesus than any other path without him. Because the narrow path is not about doing life better. It's about doing life with Jesus. I wonder if instead of waking up in the morning committed to trying harder, if we couldn't wake up in the morning and just start to send those spiritual text messages back and forth and say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? That we open up our, our mornings with prayer and we ask him, God, where are we going? How many steps are we taking? Which pathway are you asking me to go down? And instead of trying to prove it to him or muscle it for him, we just follow him. I wonder if we couldn't read some of those text messages back. And we don't crack open the Bible and maybe dig into Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And okay, Lord, what message do you have for me today? Because if you're like me, I'm tempted first thing in the morning to see how many little red circles I have on my phone and see what messages came in and respond to those messages and plan my day and think who do I got to get a hold of and what do I got to get accomplished and what, what if we started that process with him? And what if for some of us, you're like, well, the Bible's confusing. I don't know where to start. I don't know what this means. I don't know why. I don't know about you, but if I ever get a text message that's unclear, I respond and it didn't make sense. I'm not following. And so we pray about it. We ask someone. We do the study. We do the research. I want to know what God has to say for me. I want to be with him. What if we woke up and instead of saying, I need to try harder to be on the narrow path, we woke up saying, Jesus, wherever you're at, that's where I want to be. And that's the narrow path. For the rest of this series, this is what we're gonna kind of dive into. As Jesus kind of finishes out this main teaching, he's gonna show some different ways that he's trying to help us understand. I, I want you to see where I'm coming from. I wanna invite you to be there with me. I wanna make sure that you're on the pathway to life. 
And I want to make sure that you and I, when you look at your life and you see the priorities and you see all the things that are deep inside of you, how you can be intersected and connected with me. We can't all be right. We just know the one who is. And I want to be with him. The band's going to come out and they're going to lead us through a time to pray and reflect and, and honestly, maybe tell Jesus, I, I want to be on this pathway with you. For some of us, maybe we've been flirting on the berm of the broad path. <laughs> and God's just saying, just come over here. You know, I'm the way. Some of us were on the broad path because it just seems right. That's where everybody else is. But man, God is nudging you and messing with you and engaging you and saying, would you come be with me on this narrow one? So as the band settles in, would you pray with me? Father God, thank you that you're extending your hand not to keep us away, but to actually invite us in. We can enter God's kingdom. We just have to trust that it's through you. You are the narrow path. You are the one that leads to life. You are the one that knows the mysteries of the world. You are the one that knows the inner workings of my heart. You're the one that knows how to heal me, how to walk me through the difficulties of life. You're the one that knows how to navigate all of these things. And Jesus, I want to be where you are. And I pray for some of us that Maybe we've take, taken a, a little vacation and we seem to be kind of cruising down the broad path again. Would you remind us that we just need to come back to you in a real way? And Lord, for those of us that we've never made the faith decision to put our trust in you, there's just something that's been holding us back. There's been something that's been a nagging question in our mind. And maybe in this moment, it's not that we're trusting that we have all the answers. It's that we're trusting in the person of Jesus. And that maybe I don't have all the questions figured out. And maybe I don't have all of the mysteries lined up in my mind and heart, but... Jesus, there is something about you. I want it. I trust it. Give me life. Lord, as we pray, as we process, as we worship together, would you meet us where we're at and show that that invitation has our name on it to follow you down the narrow path. Amen.